What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Pavan, and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Alyssa Betta. Alyssa is a mental health blogger and the owner of Mindful Mode, which is modern jewelry that advocates and raises money towards mental health awareness. Alyssa was such a blast to have on, and I really want to thank her again for coming on and having this super important discussion with me. Now, before we get into the episode today, guys, I didn't record an intro for episode 100, which means that, yes... This is the last intro for season three of the show. <sighs> what a ride it has been, honestly. You know, it's been a ton of work, but I, I've met such incredible people because of the show, and I'm just so glad that it resonates with some of you. Um, so thank you for all of your support. You know, if you if you were here in the YouTube days from a year, more than a year ago, thank you for just sticking along and listening to all these stories that are being shared. You know, it's just... It's been such a fun time, so here's to hoping that season four is just as fun. Now, before we get into the show today, guys, you know the drill. If you're listening, please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars if you're on that podcast platform. Share with someone who might want to hear this episode. It's a really great one, and I can't wait for you to listen. And for the last time this season, I'll talk to you all very soon. Have a great rest of your day. Peace. Good to go. Alyssa, what's going on? Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So before we get too into anything, I obviously, I, I told you off camera, I asked the broadest question to everyone this whole season. Where do you think that your mental health journey kind of started? Like where, where was, where did it first become apparent that, you know, you were going to have mental health challenges in your life? That's actually a very good question to start with. Um, I feel like I always knew, like when I was younger, I was like, something isn't right here. And I think other people who suffer from mental health struggles can probably understand what I mean, but the non-mentally ills might be like, that sounds black. Um, for me, I always knew there was something different. I felt things more intensely. Even as a child, I would be at like birthday parties and something would happen and I would be extremely affected by it, even if it were the smallest thing per se to other people. But for me, I, it would just take longer to get over. And I remember my friends being like, why are you still talking about that? Why are you still upset about that? Things like that really stood out to me. Cause like when you're a kid, like, and you're growing and you're noticing these differences and you're comparing with your friends, I feel like that's a huge time in everyone's life where you kind of realize if you're different or not, or what are your differences and what are your challenges? You know what I mean? So that was definitely when it all started. But as for when I started to get like help for my mental health, I was 14. And the main reason why I decided to was because I had a very abusive childhood. And it, like in hindsight, it kind of feels like one day I woke up and was like, something's not right here with me and with my family. And I wanted help and I knew I needed help. I always like commend the younger version of myself because I'm like, how did I just know that these things were wrong? And how did I just know that I needed to go to therapy at 14? But like, thank you, little list. Thank you for doing that for us. Good, <laughs> good choice for sure. Um, so I remember at 14, I just said, mom, I want to go see a therapist. And she said, why? And I didn't tell her. And she would take me to therapy and pick me up and ask me about it. And I wouldn't say anything. And for about a year, I did that. And they diagnosed me with PTSD at that time. And then I've been in therapy ever since on and off just depends where I'm at in my life. Sometimes I feel I need it more than others. And then throughout therapy over the last eight years, I'd say I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder from the childhood, um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and borderline personality disorder. Mm. So, yeah. And you're man, shout out to your mom for just bringing you over there. Even yeah without a reason yeah. <laughs> like okay yeah yeah I know crazy hey and my dad's insurance covered it too like they like they hooked me up so I, I really am grateful for that for sure <laughs> man and how um what like because I went to I went to therapy I think it was when I was in grade eight I don't know how old you are in grade eight but I remember it being such an uncomfortable experience just because I was so young 
And like, I didn't really like, I knew I wanted help, but at the same time, it's like, why am I in a room with this super old dude trying to get him to relate to me? Like, <laughs> did you fair. ever feel that, that barrier, the age gap barrier when you were in there? Um, honestly, the woman I was with a woman, which I, what I preferred. Um, and she was probably maybe early thirties at the time. I felt very safe around her. She was very welcoming. And I know that I've been really blessed with my, like, I have some bad therapist experiences, but for the most part, I've been really blessed because I think that sometimes it takes a minute to like get the right one. And not everyone talks about that enough, but for me, it, um, I really lucked out with her. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't find it was, it was awkward. Like you were saying now, was it your decision to go to therapy or were you forced to go? Um, I was kind of forced just because as a kid, I was such a hothead. And so they thought I had anger problems. Well, I did, but like, you know, it had deeper roots than that. But, um, I went for anger issues and then, you know, as I was in there, the guy, I don't know, he was, he was so old. He was like 60 and I was in grade eight. I'm like, you can't. Yeah. That's a very understand anything. Absolutely. I could see that. And where it wasn't really your decision, whereas I was like, I want this, I need this. Like I was deciding, I felt probably more of a sense of control than you did. So. Right. I could see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Nice. So when, when you were first given like the, um, like the PTSD, the ADHD, kind of those labels thrown at you, was there ever like a sense of denial or like, Oh, I I could never have that. Like, was there any, any of those feelings when, once you heard the news? Honestly, no. Um, I feel like I'm in hindsight, I'm like a therapist's dream. Cause I'm like, okay, I could see where you're coming from. I have that. Awesome. I'll book you for next week. Like I just kind of was like easy peasy and textbook for sure. Um, I knew, I mean, like I said, when I decided to go, when I was younger, I knew something was wrong. So the PTSD made a lot of sense. She made it make sense to me as well. Cause they were able to point at certain things like this is why this, and this is why this, therefore in conclusion, we believe you have this. And I was like, that makes sense. These people sound smart. Um, but all of them resonated with me. The ADHD, I was a little bit confused by when they told me that because my therapist said that it's possible I had ADHD, which went undiagnosed, then stemmed into my borderline. Um, but now like, like heavily having researched into like the symptoms of ADHD, I'm like, oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Even like, right. in this, like, it's very hard for me to stay focused in a conversation Sometimes I go on tangents and I don't remember what someone asked me or what, like that might happen in the podcast. I might be like, what, can we circle back to what I was answering? Cause I've gone so far down the rabbit hole. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Um, sitting still is not an option for me ever, even if I'm exhausted, things like that. But I just remember at first being like, it's not something that like just children have, which is a big misconception with ADHD, but it can follow you into your adulthood, unfortunately, which it has. <laughs> <laughs> we're still here <laughs> we're still here yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man and did you um when, when you f- were first given the news did you ever like let anyone in your close circle know what was going on like did you ever tell them what was um, going on at therapy in the difference like I had therapy throughout so many different stages of my life when I was really young and going by myself I didn't talk to anybody about it but when I got older and kind of when therapy started being discussed more, I felt more comfortable doing so. And then obviously now I'm just like, I go to therapy and everyone should go to therapy. It's like, you know, gradually gotten more intense and now I'm like full-blown advocate. Um, so yeah, at different stages of my life, I, I would have been discussing it, but definitely the most now for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, when, when did that openness kind of, what, when, when did you finally decide like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to tell people about this now. Um, about my mental health? Specific? Yeah, about like, like the challenges you were experiencing and like the fact that you were actually going to therapy. Like, you know, you're so open on your platforms. When did that openness kind of just kick in? Um, honestly, so when I launched my jewelry brand, like I had came up with the idea to do so actually a year ago right now. And um I was like, I want a platform where I can kind of discuss my mental health and also have something that advocates for it and is, you know, loud about it. So I started working on that for a few months and then I launched in February. And then the very first business that decided to collaborate with me and carry my jewelry line 
they did an interview on me. And at that point I hadn't been on any podcast. I hadn't had anybody ask these questions and they did a full blown interview and they were like, so where does your PTSD stem from? And what is this? And where does this come from? And I was like, Oh shit, I'm really going to like have to tap into all the things. And it, it was kind of like a moment where I was like, okay, I can't like one lie about my childhood anymore. Cause for years I didn't tell anybody aside from the people that were super close with me, what had happened. And that was a challenging decision to make um, in itself because it felt foreign, even though I knew my intentions were right. And I knew I needed to be honest and transparent about that because yeah, you know, people are going to, many people have asked me since then, where does your PTSD stem from? Where is that? How did you, you know? So being transparent about that was probably the hardest decision, but being open about my mental health in general felt very natural for me because the biggest thing that I felt I needed with like suffering, like kind of alone in society with that stigma is people to understand it more and for that stigma to dissipate. So I knew by me being an advocate and an open, honest voice about the struggles of mental health and all that encompasses it, it would help alleviate some of that stigma and that stress that people, and you know, and that like loneliness that you feel and you're like, why am I weird? Why am I different? Like, you know, you're not weird. You're not different. You're just, you're fucking special. Mm. <laughs> Superior. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so deciding to do that was, um, was easier than, you know, deciding to be honest about like the whole childhood thing that caused a quite a divide in my family, unfortunately, but the whole, the reason why I'm doing it still stands the same. And it was never to, you know, to throw anyone under the bus to cause anybody harm. It was just to be transparent and kind of full heartedly chase after this goal of mine. So shortly after that, I, I decided to rebrand my, like my personal Instagram and do more of like a blog style. And now what you're seeing tapping into vlogs and all that stuff. And then it's only grown since there. So it's been cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's been awesome. Now, what was the reaction like from your family when you first opened up, like on social media and everything? So I did give my family all a heads up before I did it. Obviously, I just thought that was like the appropriate thing to do. It wasn't ever up for discussion. It wasn't like an open question. Hey, do you mind? It was, Hey, this is what's happening kind of thing. And my family has been a very much like sweep it under the rug type family mm. for many generations. And they just get uncomfortable to talk about these real things. And I'm just like, we're going to blow this wide open. Like <laughs> whether you like it or not, we got to talk about the shit. I'm sorry. The shit's being like on the table. Like we're, we're talking about it. And so trying to even address, you know, the childhood and the things that happened behind closed doors without even blocking about it. Yeah. It was, it was always pulling teeth and a lot of gaslighting and um, victimizing themselves and stuff like that. So it was tough, but I never thought I would get the reaction I did. I kind of thought they would be uncomfortable with it, but then jump on board and be like, we understand where you're coming from. No, it did not happen that way. Um, my dad was very angry about it and, and said like, basically begged me to not. And I was like, you need to understand that I'm not doing this to be like, my parents are evil. My parents are like, I'm addressing the fact that you both have been through trauma yourselves and were severely mentally ill and did not have the tools or the means to go to therapy or it just wasn't talked about it enough. You know, I never villainize them and I don't hate them. I love them very much. And they gave me and my siblings a beautiful life in so many ways, despite, you know, the trauma. Um, so it was, it was, didn't come from a vindictive place. And I think that was the hardest part because I knew my intentions were pure and it was just to help other people. And, you know, the amount of messages and reactions I've had that people are like, I was also abused. Thank you for talking about this thing. Like it's, it's worth it, but it is, very hard because yeah, right now we're not on speaking terms. My, uh, my parents and I, they, they, the way they reacted, I just needed time to heal and they tried to reach back out. And I just said, I just needed time to, cause they got the whole family involved and it was just, it was really unfortunate. I think I'm going to blog about that soon or vlog about it. So people can see like <laughs> my reaction with it because it was pretty brutal. And it's also like I have a lot of good advice for people like going up against your family and like kind of get ready for it. You know, like it's not going to be easy. It's very devastating to like grieve the loss of people that are still alive. It's very 
heartbreaking to know that your intentions as true as they may be may always be misread by people you know so mm. that's all very heartbreaking stuff but at the end of the day I, I know what I'm doing is right I know it's you know for the goodness of my heart to help other people um but hopefully one day we'll be able to make amends and you know kind of be on the same page with that but I guess we'll see <laughs> I mean fingers crossed <laughs> No, I, I, I mean, I don't love that, of course, but like it, it, you have such an important kind of viewpoint because we often hear about, you know, when people open up, everybody's super supportive, like, oh, just do it. Like nothing's going to happen. Everyone's going to be coming to your side and you have that important, you, you start that important discussion where it's like, well, it's not always that way. And there's right. other ways that we can maneuver through when the situation doesn't actually go the way we originally were told it might. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a very good point. Because yeah, on social media, the aspect of it, I mean, I don't get too much hate. I think I've had one of my blogs used against me. But aside from that, everyone is so sweet and so supportive. And you kind of build your audience too. the people that want to fuck with you and they don't, they'll unfollow and the, you know what I mean, social media is good that way. And it's it's been really good for me. But yeah, the behind the scenes part of it, the family dynamic is just completely put, you know, a crack down the middle of it. And it's devastating to say the least but yeah man yeah how how um like how do do you personally like maneuver through that because I know it you mentioned it it's it's very tough to grieve people that are still alive especially when it's like their family like it's one thing to cut a friend off I've done that before and it's like Yeah. yeah it hurts but it's not like the end of the world but when, mm-hmm. it, when it comes to family, like, how do you even maneuver through that process? It's, um, it's very, very challenging. At the beginning, it was more challenging because I felt like I was in shock. And then I would just get these moments of like, oh my God. And just like having the family have these, you know, rumors like be spread around. Like I had my aunt go off on me, my cousin who I haven't spoken to in years go off on me, just randomly hit me up and send me this terrible, terrible text message that I had to leave work. Cause I was like, oh my God, like these people, people are they they hate me (laughs) they really truly believe that I'm doing like the devil's work here and really trying to harm everyone in the family and that's not it and it's it's hard it's it's very hard but at the end of the day if you can trust your own intention you got to push through that you got to understand that this is just like another spectrum of you can't please everyone and not everyone's gonna trust your intention, you know, they have their own perception, they have their own shit that they can and cannot see through. And that's why it's so important that you got to like stand for what you love and love, like what you stand for, because not everybody's going to get it. And it's super painful. And it's, that's a hard question. I feel like there's so many layers to that because at the beginning, all I did was like cry and I was angry all the time. And now I've, I have more of a piece about it and just, you know, getting these messages I don't know if you've seen like the one I reshared. I like to anonymously reshare some of the messages that I received just to like, you know, help people understand what some other people are going through, not just myself, but there's this girl mm-hmm. who um, responded to the vlog that I did yesterday, just kind of talking about how toxic relationships after having so many, and you're going to do a healthy one, how they feel very foreign. Like there's so many moments in my relationship where I'm like, why are you being so nice to me? This feels creepy. And I just wanted other people to understand that like, that's normal to feel that it's weird. And she responded and she was like, much love all the way from Hawaii. Like I've been following your blogs for a little bit. Like this blog really hit home. She's like, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. And she was like kicked in the face and stabbed in the face. And she has 17 plates that are like holding her face in structure now. And she has a traumatic brain injury, like permanently kind of thing it was devastating I bought reading the message it was probably one of the hardest messages I've got so far um but but it's moments like that where I'm like shit man like I'm really I'm doing something I'm creating an audience I'm creating like kind of a safe place for people to tap into and be like okay this is you know like we're normalizing normal we're normalizing things that like are okay to be struggled with that society's been like done up um so that kind of stuff it it makes it worth it you know, I don't want to say like one's more important than the other losing my family. This isn't, you know, making up for that entirely, but it, it certainly is reminding me that why I started and why it's so important that I continue despite getting the approval from my family. 
you know? Yeah. I don't know. I hope that helps a little bit, but it's a process. There's sometimes I still break down and just, I'm like, fuck, I wish my, like, I could tell my parents about this. Like I had a really good day and stuff like that. And I'm hoping, I'm still hopeful that one day we can all, you know, sit down and make amends and figure it out. But for right now, it's, it's a learning process for sure. Yeah. And he wants the healing happening. That's the main thing. That's the main thing why I've demanded space at this point, because it's the healing that I need to do to have, you know, your abusers play the role of a victim when you speak about this is, is very, very painful and very, um, traumatizing. I feel like in a way, cause you're just like, what? Like it, it kind of like sends you back into that, like my, instead of like being hurt and being abused and being manipulated and you work so hard to break out of it and you try and discuss it with them and they almost try and like loop you back in and so that that's very hard because I'm very aware of what's going on I'm very aware that they're gaslighting me I'm very aware that what they're doing is healthy but they don't understand that so you just always look like the bad guy to them you just always right. look like you're just trying to pull up the rug and talk about all this shit but I'm just like I'm trying to heal from it. That's why we're talking about it. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dead it, but we got to be able to figure it out. We got to be able to have conversations about it. So that kind of stuff is, is very challenging. Cause yeah, you just have to get comfortable with not being liked and not having everybody's approval, even the ones that you love the most. Right. That's mm -hmm. definitely the toughest part, but we're getting there. <laughs> it's tough too. Cause like you hear it, you hear the repetition of that. Well, like when people are, in that victim mindset the repeating like oh you're you're the bad guy here you're the bad guy here and then you go shit am i yeah yeah you question it yeah for sure that's a tough one man did you ever think that you would have a platform where you talk about this stuff um honestly yeah i feel like at one point i didn't know it would be over social media i didn't know what it would look like but i was always like i think that i'll be like a motivational speaker one day because i have a lot to say and i've been through a lot of shit I always said that growing up and now I'm like, I'm definitely going to be a motivational speaker when they, when I grow up. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of had a feeling I definitely lost touch with it for a while. And before you start anything new, it's always daunting, right? You're like, can I do that? Could I achieve that? You know, like starting a blog, like it felt so foreign. I just used to post for fun and now I post kind of for a job in a way now. Um, I know I have followers depending on them and I have a whole bunch of topics ready, ready to blog about. People are very like open whenever I open like the questions for what I should blog about next. People are like, do this, do this. And they have some really good ideas. I'm like, guys, that's actually amazing. And I will get back to all of these as soon as I can. So for, for now, it's kind of become like a hobby, but also a job. And something that's been therapeutic for myself too like mm -hmm. talking about this and there's something soothing about like writing down your thoughts and organizing them and using them to inspire others. That's sort of healing. And it kind of helps you like organize your, your chaotic mentally ill mind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it gives some structure to whatever the hell's going up. On, exactly. Going on like, <laughs> exactly. Like poetry. I love reading it because it can take such a giant cluster of emotions and put it into one sentence. And you're like, yeah, retweet. I love that. True. How, <laughs> how, how come I didn't think of that? So it's kind of the same thing for me with blogging and vlogging. I like take all these thoughts and say them and organize them. And, and even now like when I post them and I'm like, I don't know how it's going to do. Like, I don't know if people are going to respond like even, but that's like the thing where you got to be your number one share there, right? You get one like, or you get one share or you get one person saying, you know what, this made my day. That's worth it. You can't be obsessed with the, you know, the rest of the shit you gotta, you gotta do it for the right reasons and not let that that other stuff get in the way so mm -hmm. yeah i think and i've i've kind of fought with this too at the beginning and things like you got to remember that each view or each like like that's a human being yeah you know like who likes it or who is yeah absolutely and it's like inspired by it like one like on paper if you're comparing to like celebrities doesn't look like a whole lot it's still one human being it's so true hey it's so true. And I think it was, I want to say it was like Trey songs. There was a, a tweet from years ago that like was trending recently as a meme. And he was like, I know there's a lot of rappers who have a lot more followers than my 500, but I just want to take a minute to thank all 500 of y'all like for following me and believing me. Like, that's cool. Um, I love that energy. Cause yeah, you don't start at 10,000 followers. You got to build it. 
and you got to build it organically if you want that audience. And it's a lot of work. It really is, but it's very, very worth it. Yeah. I think, I think Jay Cole had something similar where he was like, you just did a hundred. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. I love it. I just can't wait to get to a thousand with mindful. That's my big thing. I'm like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Awesome. Those, yeah. That's those small milestones. And one day I'll yeah. look back and be like, I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Look where we started. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. awesome. Yeah. Now with, with mindful mode, where, where did the inspiration kind of come from to make the type of jewelry that you do? Like when, when did that first idea kind of sprout? So the jewelry I don't make by hand. Um, I do have a line where I've designed it myself, but mm -hmm. I purchase it wholesale. The whole brand is mine. And the main, like the first idea that came to mind, it was jewelry because I feel like almost everybody wears some form of accessory. So I was like, I feel like that's good. And then I also was living in a dorm at the time. So and I had run an e-commerce boutique before called Alyssa's Attire. That was a good time. But stocking clothing is a nightmare. And people who do it need a warehouse. Like there's so many different sizes and different styles that you have to, and you have to fashion forecast what would sell in that big of bulk. It's, it's tough. So I was like, no, I don't want to do clothing like right off the jump. Um, so I think jewelry would be cool. But the main thing that kind of attracted me to jewelry was I could get it engraved with things that say mental health matters, fuck anxiety, you know, anxious, but cute things like that, that are going to captivate people and thus start conversations about it. And then slowly the idea, you know, came, I want it to be modern. I, cause there had been, I had done my, my fair share of research on mental health jewelry and no disrespect to the people that have created, you know, these different brands, but a lot of it was just like beaded or like the rubber bands or stuff like that, that are still cool and still supporting something. But I wanted more statement pieces that are like worn every day and like gold and you know what I mean? Like right. very modern type edge. And then I decided shortly after that, that I wanted, I wanted to donate to a, some sort of mental health organization. And then I decided to go with Canadian mental health association because they had given me my dialectal behavior therapy, which was designed for people with borderline and that was all free. So that therapy literally changed my life, changed the way my brain works. So I was like, I'm going to get back to them. So now a 10% of all my sales go to Canadian mental health. So that's cool too. Cause I was like, I'm going to have jewelry, which I mean, I feel like a lot of people can have a jewelry line and that's cool, but mine's going to stand out because it's going to be a good cause. And we're going to be raising money and awareness at the same time, which is cool. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. No, I want to be awesome. different. Yeah. Yeah. That's all, well, actually that's exactly what I was going to say. It's different from anything I've ever seen. And I don't think, cause you mentioned it already, like, all the accessories for mental health are kind of like the beads and the rubber and everything. Yeah. But yeah. I've never, I've never seen jewelry kind of like that. So I love what yeah. you're doing. I think it's super, I've been looking for, cause I don't, I don't wear jewelry, but like, I mean, shit, I'll, I'll buy a ring or something. Good. Do it. <laughs> we got some pretty <laughs> cool bracelets, some cool chains. Um, I got some new men's stuff and I'll be launching it next week before Black Friday. It's, nice. Yeah. So stay awesome. tuned. Harry. Yeah. We'll I'll get stay tuned. Listeners yeah. stay tuned too. Listeners stay tuned as well. <laughs> um, so I the next thing I wanted to talk about, and we've already mentioned this, um, is kind of your new relationship. Uh yeah. newish, I think. I, new ish, I'm yeah. Everything. Yeah. I know, that's um, fair. Well <laughs> <laughs> we've been dating for, for like seven months, but we only just met a month ago. So it's like new ish. But like right. also, you know what I mean? So I get where your confusion may lie. <laughs> yeah. So you've known each other for seven months, met a month ago. It, that's not like a typical way uh, that people would expect a relationship to go. But you have been very open about how this is the healthiest relationship you've ever been a part of. How did that relationship start? Like w when did that first come about seven months ago? Actually, so it's about a year ago now, because I remember it was last November that I was like scrolling on Instagram late one night and I follow the Black Lives Matter hashtag and I had found his photo through that and he was wearing a hat that said, made you look Black Lives Matter. And I was like, oh, I fuck with that. I love that. And then clicked on his profile, took one look, was like, he's adorable. I love it. <laughs> so follow. <laughs> I liked a couple of his pics. He followed me right back, precious. 
I like to remind him of that all the time. It was under five minutes and you were like, <laughs> mm, look at that. And, um, <laughs> look at that. Um, so yeah, we just randomly started liking each other's photos and would send memes here and there. Like I never thought anything of it. I thought he was super handsome. And then later out, like later on found out he had like a wicked art page and like was an incredibly talented artist who's now been doing it for two years full time, um, which is a skill in its own. And so I was like, oh, his art's dope too. Like he's just a cool, hot guy from Texas. Like I, I never dreamt anything would ever happen. He was just really funny. He was very much on social media a lot. So I was like always looking forward to seeing his stories because he was very humorous and blunt. And um, so, yeah, we, um, we just would exchange memes, nothing serious. And then back in like February of this year, this year feels like it's gone on forever. I wonder, does anybody else do that? <laughs> no, I feel like, like is it yeah. still this year? That's crazy. <laughs> I'm sure sometimes, like, some people's time is flying by because it's like, but now for me, it just feels like it's been the same year. I think there's just so much that's happened. But, yeah. anyways, so the same year in February, we, um, I sent him a song that I thought he'd like based off of the music he shared. And I was like, hey, I think you'd really like this song. And he was like, oh my God, I love it. It's fire girl's got good music taste just saying and so he uh he was like send me more shot me his number and so I did and from that day we never stopped talking it was like non-stop communication and the first few days all we talked about was the music I didn't even say like hey how's your day or like what's up or like is it warm in Texas like nothing it was just like oh check out this song top five like favorite artists why this like and our music taste was almost identical which was kind of creepy and cool at the same time and then we, it kind of morphed into how's your day or what are you up to? Or like, where do you work? Or what do you, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And then within a week we started FaceTiming. And then within two months of talking every day and learning more about each other, um, we started dating because we just had like crazy aligned dreams and goals and ambitions. And neither of us had ever matched that energy in a, in a relationship before. So I was like, this is wild. This feels very twin, twin flamey. I like it. So we started dating two months after talking and then yeah like I said we because he was in Texas and I was in Canada and the whole COVID BS um I never even asked you if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast but I have sworn you're good you're okay good. great yeah great. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to bleep um but yeah so because of the whole COVID thing we were not able to meet until a month ago um Cause I was, I was at West working. He was doing his thing full-time here. Like he's busy, very, very busy. And I was too, I was working full-time at the resort, running mindful mode during the day, working my nine hour night shifts, kind of going to sleep for a bit, waking up, doing it all over again. So it was nonstop, but I knew when I came here, I wanted to stay here. I didn't want to just like come for a month and see how it was. Um, like a couple months into dating, he was like, when you, when you come here, which you want to live with me? And I was like, no, nah, that's whack. Like, that's so soon. Like, no, that's crazy. And then within a couple months after that, I was like, no, maybe I would actually, I'm kind of, I'm kind of down with that. <laughs> and it kind of worked out the way it was meant to work out because we were originally, my best friend and I, we were going to come work here, get a work visa, get an apartment, share a place all that good stuff. And the work visas, because of COVID also, there was like too many people for that work visa. They weren't taking any, this whole, I won't bore you with the details. It's actually a lot harder to get a work visa in the United States. If anyone's wondering, get on it now, if you need to do it by next year. So I was just like, well, with mindful mode, like legally I can sell to anyone like internationally. So I can just do that. Maybe this is my opportunity to really like do it full time and give it all I've got. Right. Because my biggest complaint with working my full-time resort job is I don't have enough time to do this. I don't have time to make reels. I don't, like, I just don't have time. So now I have all the time. And I did move in with him the very first day I met him, which is crazy. Um, but it's been amazing. It really has. And I'm not sugarcoating that because I'm very authentic. And I would tell you if it was fucked up, I would tell everyone. Um, but it's not. And he's amazing. He's made me feel very at home. And he bought me all the things. He got us a desk. He bought me a loofah. He bought like all these different things to make sure I felt like, you know, I had everything. So that was really precious. But we vibe very well in person. Um, meeting him was insane. Like the, the actual like first meetup, like the hug, the game. crazy. 
it was the craziest high I've ever been on. And I wrote it for a good couple of days. I was just kept looking at him like, I can't believe you're like 40. Like this is, wait, that's right, right? 40 or 3D? No, 40 is like 40. in person. 40? I mean. Yeah, 40. You're right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? But yeah, he's 40. I just, it was surreal. It was crazy. But no, I find we, uh, we vibe very well for a lot of reasons, but our drive and ambition to kind of work at being better for, you know, ourselves and each other is very aligned. Um, and our, like our drive, as far as our businesses is very much the same as well. And our communication is number one, because that's all we had, right? Mm. For eight months of talking, that's literally all we were doing. And, you know, when you run out of things to talk about, you're like, so how was your childhood? <laughs> like we talked about all that shit before we even met. So that was kind of cool. We kind of got like the heavy work out of the way, you know, before we got to meet. And now we've just kind of been like, reaping the benefits of all the physical and all the intimacy and all that like stuff like you know right so we did it backwards than most people did and I feel like too in our past relationships oftentimes like you let the physical get in the way or it's easier to overlook red flags that way whereas we were like no we can see him clear and <laughs> clear as day and we would just talk about that stuff I actually feel like it was harder it was it was it was smooth for the most part, but I actually feel like it was harder now having him in person, like versus to having it long distance, because there's so many conversations that by having body language in context, not through text or but in person that are just like, you don't, don't even have an issue. You just, okay, cool. Sounds good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas if you're texting and you're at work and you have to like put them on hold and be like, okay, one sec, like it prolongs things. And then there's that lack of context with how you're speaking. Um, so I feel like by being here, it's even more simple, which mm -hmm. is cool. I think this is how healthy relationships are supposed to be like, not saying we don't have our issues, not saying we don't have our arguments. Of course, that's like any normal relationship, right? You're going to disagree. You're not the exact same person. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the healthiest relationship I've ever had by far. Mm. Man. Yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I personally hate texting like so much. I I've gotten yeah. so bad at it because like when I'm talking to girls, I, I use sarcasm a lot. Yeah. And like, I try to make things funny, even though I'm terrible at it and <laughs> no one can pick up on it ever. That's frustrating. It's like this, this guy's a weirdo. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Nobody gets my yeah. humor. Come. <laughs> but then in person, it's fine. It's like, man. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. You need to send more more voice memos. That's my advice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know what? I'll do that next time. Just right out of the gate, just a voice memo or like a video, like "Hi, blank." It's your boy Harry. <laughs> That'd be funny. That might be like a little weirder. Yeah. Yeah. You might get <laughs> if you send a video from the jump, but like a voice memo that'd be sweet. She's like, "Hey, I'm really sarcastic, and I don't want you to miss a joke." So I'm going to say it instead of text it. Mm. <laughs> that is a good idea, actually. Yeah. I'm going to keep that in the back pocket. I feel like, yeah, if you're like honest about it, you're like, I just prefer context. I prefer like, you know, I feel like women will be like, okay, that fucks with that. I would. Yeah. I think that's cool. True. Yeah. Man. Well, you keep me girl posted. I'm talking to. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll know you're welcome. Voice <laughs> yeah. 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 You can just say you're welcome now. <laughs> <laughs> you can thank me later <laughs> man now was communication something that you always valued in relationships or was it just kind of this one where you realized like oh wow this is important um oh that's a good one harry um i feel like hmm, it's always something you know what's interesting that my therapist told me it was always something i thought because i talk a lot that i'm a good communicator but she was like, you're good at talking about things, but you're not good at like having intimate conversations. And I was like, sounds like an insult. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, damn. Come on. Yeah. Um, but that is very true because I feel like in my past relationships, I've definitely always been the one to be like, we should talk about this. We should talk about this. But when it came to like maybe the bigger things and the harder things, I would shut down and I would get awkward and I would get uncomfortable. Whereas in this relationship, it is very much equal 
he'll be like, no, we need to talk about this. What did you mean? And he'll tap into the parts where I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. And I'll also be like, okay, you need to address that. So we balance each other very much. So in that he'll check me for, and he checks me. Like, I, I think that's another thing too. Like, um, my, either my past relation, either they were like complete assholes or they just like, would like, let me like walk all over them, which neither is great. You need like that balance of somebody who's going to check you where Israel, if, if I do something, or I have like a bad attitude the other day, I was like in sensory overload and everything was like really irritating like to me. And I was like kind of being rude to the person on the phone that was trying to help me. And he was like, Liz, you're, you're, you're being rude. It's remember it's like, you're frustrated with the system, but they're like an employee. And I'm like, true, true. I'm like, sorry. But like, he's very good at like, you know, and those are kind of things that are hard to hear, especially when you're in sensory overload. Whoa. But I do, yeah. <laughs> I do appreciate it in hindsight because at the end of the day, it's making me a better person. Right. And that's cool as fuck that your partner can do that for you. So that's a big thing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I answer the question right? See, I, I, no, you I'm, d- ta- definitely did. I'm tangent. So I've gotten a tangent. No, okay, I, I can relate to that, but yeah, no, you're good. You nailed it. Yeah, no, oh. I, cause in past relationships for me, and you've already mentioned this, where like the physical gets in the way um, yeah. of the communication, like that, I, I can relate to that so heavy just because, you know, the uncomfortable stuff is hard to talk about. And it's so true. Uh, everyone doesn't want to talk about it. Like It's so true. Know, yeah. Like sitting, sitting down and, you know, looking at the person you're with face to face and going, we should chat about this something in your brain goes shut up like no yeah let's let's just let's go back to the perfect honeymoon phase right right it's it's tough but it's rewarding too because when you have those conversations one either you'll realize they're not for you and you'll get the hell out of there sooner than you should um and then two like the level of love and security that comes after having those conversations is totally worth it because like as, as daunting as it can be, if they're had with the right person, like you learn a lot about yourself, your partner, and like, you know, your love languages and things like that, that ultimately benefit your relationship with each other. So they're daunting, but they're worth it. Right. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's all worth it in the end. Yeah. Oh, man. So I, in, in regards to relationships in general, um, I already mentioned this to you off camera as well but you know we're in a time now where everyone is kind of hung well either you're super hungry for connection right now or <laughs> you kind of enjoy the time alone yeah um, true but, <laughs> like oh this is great <laughs> i don't have to talk yeah to two definitely different extremes hey yeah seriously but if you're in that boat of you know just hungry for connection you know there's that risk that you're just gonna settle like for anything that comes That's your way very true yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So for people like that, you know, what would you want to tell them? Because they're probably, or sorry, what would you want to tell them before they get into something they might regret just because they're not looking at any red flags or anything like that? Um, definitely make sure you're healed because that is one of the biggest things that made a difference for me this time around is I sat in my discomfort and I sat in my loneliness. But given you weren't allowed to touch many people during the last two years, you probably did the same thing. So good for you. So you're probably healed. Um, make sure you're going after it for the right reasons. Yeah. If it's just sex you want, be honest and have all the sex, do all the things. But if it's like, an, you know, an intimate relationship that you're seeking after, look for the red flags. Like if they don't want to put a label on it or they don't want to, you're, they're not taking it seriously either. And then like cut them, get out yeah. of there. Make almost make like, you can make a physical list. I feel like lists and affirmations are good good to have but like make a mental list of what you want like I knew this time around I knew that I needed somebody that was strong-minded like me ambitious like I was sick of carrying the weight of like we should want to do something with our lives that's never fun um balanced in that way and like make sure that the big things line up not just the little things right like I feel like in my past relationship I was like oh we both love fashion and brunch that this is gonna be a great relationship but then neither of us, you know, it was fun. We looked good and we ate a lot, but like we didn't get to tap into like that real shit. When we did, we realized we were on two very different emotional wavelengths and you can have relationships. Uh, I had in my last podcast interview, they asked me um, if Israel had any mental illnesses or if he had any past traumas and like, how was that kind of like, whatever I'm trying to say, how was that like collaborating? Right. Right. 
you don't need to find a partner that has like been through it all that can like validate what you've been through. Like there can be somebody that's very good for you that has not had the same traumas as you. Um, they just need to be able to have like hold space for you and, you know, kind of be empathetic to a certain extent. So yeah, I would honestly just make sure you've got a list of what's important to you. Make sure you line up on the big things. Just be, you know, be honest with yourself. I think that's the hardest part because even in moments, you know, when I don't want to be honest with myself, like, and you have to, like, it sucks, but like, know that it's normal, that it sucks. Like that you're just like, oh, this person, I'm getting bad vibes. And, And another thing too is, is be honest with like one of your trusted friends about all the things. I was stuck in a very abusive relationship. And I lied about so many things to my friends and my families for the, like the whole entire relationship. So after that relationship, I promised myself that I would always tell my sister, my sister and I are very close, um, everything, you know, even if it's the uncomfortable stuff, like you almost have somebody to talk to about everything. So you have somebody else because where I'm mentally ill and where I've had toxic partner after toxic partner, after toxic partner, it's important for me to have that like other perspective on it. It's important for me to have my therapist involved too. It's necessary. It's not just important. It's actually necessary. So mm-hmm. if you struggle with any of those, those things, I would definitely suggest you tell a trusted friend and, or a therapist. Um, but yeah, just keep it real with what you need. If, like I said, if sex is what you need, go for it. But if you want like a very serious relationship, go for that. Manifest it. Manifestations are also very good. Mm-hmm. manifest all the things i didn't even know i was manifesting this amazing el salvadorian from texas who's a full-time artist and blows my mind every day like what the fuck i didn't even know he existed i thought like you know somebody with like half his skill set would do but then he just like blew my mind i was like holy shit the universe is really saving you mm. i mean i worked hard for him don't get me wrong i put in a lot of years <laughs> holy shit blood sweat and tears. i did my time <laughs> i've done my time i've earned him but yeah it's um and it's not easy. Like even the best relationships, even the healthiest relationships, it's not easy. It's actively choosing every day to say, I love you for all the good, all the bad, all the annoying. Mm. Um, and yeah, you just, you work through that. I feel like our generation can sometimes be bad for just being like, oh, on to the next. And then just get on your app and start swiping again. But like, you got to work through your shit and you, you got to work through your shit with your person. <laughs> Because yeah. if not, it's just, you're just going to keep carrying that baggage from one relationship to another. And it's not fun to just, you know, stop and start, stop and start. So get serious about what you want to, what you want in a relationship, manifest it, and then work your ass off to keep it. Not easy, but it is worth it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Preach, man. Yeah. <laughs> now on the other side of that coin, like what, what would you want to say to people who are just starting their healing journey? Oof. Brace yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, but honestly, um, the healing journey is by far one of the most painful experiences I have ever endured, but it is also, on the other hand, the most rewarding thing I have ever had happen to me, ever. Um, Mm. For me, because I, I was a drunk and struggled with drug use for years, when I started healing, like really, really healing, it was when I cut out all substances and I went sober and I, I quit drugs like permanently, but for alcohol, I took a one year sober break and it happened to be 2020. So a couple months in everything got locked down and I was locked down for four months with my ex who it wasn't working out with at the time. And it was very apparent. So I was in hell on earth for sure. Mm. And I was in Canada, so it was cold too. So I was like, fuck. (laughs) There was like nothing good about anything then. Um, So yeah, there was a couple months where I was like, damn, I'm about to unravel like 25 years of pain and suffering that I have just suppressed. So I mean, healing definitely looks different for each individual. It depends how long you've been suppressing the healing. For me, it was quite a few years. So for me, it was very excruciating. Also having borderline makes everything more intense. Our pain, our pain level, our emotional level is, is very high. So there were moments I wanted to die for sure. I'll keep it real with y'all, but I pushed through and it's amazing. Like you, you start to feel the difference. You start to wake up and you're like, wow, I'm really like worthy. Wow. I'm really cute. Wow. I'm really ambitious. You start to like feel yourself growing love for, for the, you know, like it's just, 
I remember there's so many people being like, why are you doing blow? Why are you doing this? Why are you partying every night? Why are you like with these random people? Why are you hanging out with these men? Like you're so much better than this. And at the time I had no idea what they were talking about. It just sounded like a broken record. But as I started to heal, I started to actually understand it. And I was like, wow, I am like worth a lot. Wow. I am amazing. Wow. I, I am better than drugs and these random people that, you know, I would meet, hang out with and give my energy time and my energy and my time to like, I just, you start to understand that. And then with self-love, just, it kind of is like a snowball effect of positivity and healing and all the good shit. And then once you start healing, you start attracting all the right things for you. Right. That could be like career. Cause well, I guess, yeah, I'm a good example of that because right after I started healing, I was like, I'm going to launch mindful mode. And now I do it full time and it's amazing. And I sat through my lonely nights when I really wanted intimacy with honestly, it could have been anyone at that point. Cause you're just fucking lonely but I sat with it instead and healed my heart. And then the universe gave me Israel. So it's all, it, it is worth it. I promise you as dark as those hours get, it is definitely worth it, but you know, it is difficult and just make sure you've got a good and trusted therapist or, and, or a good and trusted friend. My advice is always to kind of steer clear from substances while you're trying to heal because that only suppresses and And if you suffer from any kind of mental illness, it can really affect your, your chemical imbalances and stuff. So that's that's my advice but to each their own mm. awesome yeah awesome Alyssa, where can my viewers and listeners find you if they want to learn more about your story or follow your blog or buy some jewelry yeah absolutely so i'm on instagram and facebook um for the blog mostly instagram though so my handle is a l y s s a b e t t e Alyssa betta i pronounce it and my jewelry company is called mindful mode mindful is spelled with two l's and that's also the handle and it's www.mindfulmode.com for my website you can shop directly there perfect i will put yeah. those links down below Alyssa, thank Thanks you so much for joining me today absolutely thank you for having me harry this was fun <laughs> and to all my listeners i will see you guys next time Thank you.